Ah, that song, it never gets old, does it? Hello and good morning, afternoon or evening, depending on when you're listening. My name's Dan and welcome to the first episode of what will hopefully be an ongoing series here at Travelize, which I've entitled Meet the Travellers. Now, every episode, we'll be sitting down and getting to know one of our travellers, finding out a bit more about their lives, what they do, and their experiences of travelling the world. So, today, we meet one of our most seasoned visually impaired travellers, fresh from tearing up the powder in the Italian Alps. I'm here chatting with Mark Coleman. How are you doing, Mark? I'm great, thanks, Dan. How are you? I'm very well, indeed. So, Mark, what we're doing here today is we are just going to do a a couple of these with some of our travellers, just to try and get to know a little bit about... Uh, a little bit more about some of the people that travel with us. So uh, if you don't mind, do you mind if we start with uh, how you actually lost your sight? Um, yep. So I've got um, I've got something really boring. It's, I think it's the most common um, eye condition in um, younger people. Not that I'm younger anymore, but um, a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, um, it started off messing up night vision. I think that was, that was kind of the big effect when I was younger. Um, and kind of more recently um it does tunnel vision um and things like that and was it a a gradual decline or was it a a kind of almost an overnight thing or um it was uh i think they spotted it when i was about four or five years old um and until putting my mid-20s it was completely stable um no change uh, at all um and i actually just just graduated and just started work and um i kind of had a period of about three weeks where there was this rapid decline um which was uh, was interesting at the time um so uh yeah so it kind of i kind of changed jobs at that point and changed all sorts of things um after that so you, you mentioned your work there what is it that you you do for work for about 12 years i've been um a web developer um for for the the local council um and just uh, monday this week um, I got an offer for a job to move over to a new team to be a, a business analyst, which means I'm going to be able to go into other people's offices and tell them what they're doing wrong. I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm allowed to say it like that, but I, I get the impression that's what I'm going to be doing for the next three years. So uh, one thing that people quite often ask me, because um, uh, as li- most listeners will know, the founder of Travelize himself, Amar, is uh, blind as well. Uh, and one thing that people do ask me is is how does does a blind person work day to day you know in an office so could you maybe shed some light on on how you you do your job so most of my job um certainly up until this point has been computer based um so i think pretty much anyone who uses a computer is used to talking to it um not not necessarily in a polite manner uh i'm i'm one of those people whose computer talks back to them so when i look at a web page or an email or I'm writing a Word document or something like that. Um, every word, every character I type, um, the computer's telling me what I've just typed. It's it's actually really good because you can tell straight away when you've made a spell mistake. You don't even have to use spell checker because sure, yeah. it sounds wrong. So um, so all the computer work, the computer's reading to me, um, and and uh, obviously traveling around different sites. Um, I usually have someone with me then, um, just finding finding 
one office in a thousand isn't isn't always an easy task when you not, can't see not, where you're going. It's not an easy task for, for sighted people as well, I'll tell I was, you. I was going to say that the colleague that normally goes with me um, occasionally gets lost as well, so it, it makes me feel a little bit better. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you, my uh, when I came for my interview here at Travelize, I got hopelessly lost and, and knocked on about five doors before I found the right office, so <laughs> you're not alone there. We, we all struggle with that. I'm kind of glad I've never let you guide me anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, as, as you said, yeah, we were in India a few weeks ago. Well, probably a couple of months ago now. Uh, it doesn't seem well, like that long ago. It that seems we a were. long time, doesn't it? I know. Yeah. So, uh, me and Mark were in, were in Kerala together, which was a, uh, a great time there. But just to go back to what you said about um, technology. So, there are quite, you know, there's loads of things in place now to allow vision impaired people to, to use technology. Are you quite into your tech? Um, yeah a little bit too much probably um but i'll tell you that i think the most amazing invention of the last five years has been the talking cash machine so i just rock up to to barclays at the end of the street and plug my headphones in and i can actually get cash without having to get someone else to go with me and that uh, it's probably the simplest uh one well in technological terms the simplest thing to do and i'm just glad they've done it but yeah i've got um laptops and uh iphones and ipads on this desk now um things that i probably couldn't live without it's it's nice when the accessibility is built in and it seems like apple are the best at yeah at doing accessibility would, would you agree so, yeah i think um the guy who used to run apple steve jobs had a, a concept i think it was called uh, universal access which is any person no matter what their ability and no matter what their disability ought to be able to walk into an Apple store, pick up a piece of kit and get on with it without having to go and pay someone extra, without having to get someone else to help them. Um, it should just should just be able to do it. Um, and some of the other tech companies are trying to catch up. Some of them are a long way behind. Um, but a- Apple technology for, for blind people particularly is brilliant. Are you ever tempted to just head into your, your local Apple store, turn on voiceover on all the iPads and all the iPhones and then just revel in all the the uh, so-called geniuses trying to turn it off and struggling and not having a clue you you, you imply that i haven't already done that <laughs> um <laughs> i didn't do it on that scale but i did i think the first apple store i ever went into was in toronto um and i made a purchase there as well but i did leave a few sets of voiceover running just just for them to to have a play with or get frustrated by. <laughs> it's staff training. You're, you're helping them it out. Is, They've yeah. got to learn how to do well, it, haven't they? They're called, they're called geniuses. They should know how to fix these things. <laughs> All right. So what what are your hobbies, Mark? What what do you like to do, you know, in your downtime? I'm kind of at the minute in a, a trying out phase. Um, so I'm I'm trying, I try things if I with them, but not, not uh, doing things regularly. So skiing something, I thought I'm going to have a go at. And... It really stuck. So four years later, I'm I'm still doing that. Um, I go caving uh, two or three times a year um, over in the Lake District. Um, I also do some some rock climbing over that. Something I'd really like to to do more of. Um, and then my big project for this year is going to be to learn how to surf. Um, so I'm I'm just trying to work out how I'm going to make that happen. So it's it's nothing easy, is it? You don't don't seem to like passive hobbies. It's all about getting out there and, and experiencing things. I, I spend so much time indoors sitting down at work. And when I'm not at work, I don't want to be indoors. I want to be out doing things. So 
just with your I don't know is it a career with Travel Eyes I mean you've you've been with us on a on about 21 trips I know I said to you earlier it was about 15 and you corrected me rightly to 21 yeah. I mean yeah. I couldn't even imagine that it was that many but I mean you've been all over the world uh with us uh, did you ever travel much before or was it something you didn't really think about or the first airplane I ever got on was in August 2012, and it was from Newcastle to Gatwick in order to meet up with my first travelized group, um, which was the uh, trip to Austria. I think one of one of the my favourite places I've ever been to. Um, so that's a hint that I would like to go back to Austria, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope the products team are listening at this point. Well, um, I'll, I'll play this to them for sure. Yeah. Um, my family, I mean, there are three of us with RP, so that makes certain things difficult. Um, so traveling is something that I thought for a long time. Um, I don't I don't need to do this. I don't want to do this. And I, I was obviously convinced of myself of something that wasn't true. Um, so, yeah, in those five and a half years, I've done 21 trips now. Um, was it just something that clicked before the Austria trip of just was it that um, feeling you said about your hobbies? Just I, I want to give this a go or was it? It, well, I kind of, um, probably a year before that, um, it was actually when I got my current job. Um, so I moved to another office and there was a gym nearby. And that's kind of when I first started, like the, the fitness stuff. Um, and Austria was part of, partly a, a walking holiday. So I thought, right, that's something to aim for. Um, it's, a, it's nearby. I can just about get by in German. Well, you're not going to test me on that at this point. Um, <laughs> And um, so if, if it all goes wrong, I can get in a taxi, get to the airport and get home. Um, and luckily it didn't go wrong. Um, so it's since then, it's just been a destination of peers. Um, I think I'd like to go there. Um, and uh, and then it just happens. And obviously, so- it, just, it just happens from my point of view. You guys make it happen, which is uh, obviously the difficult bit. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's it's all about making it look effortless. That's what we try and do. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So obviously you've done loads of trips of us over the last five years, as we've just spoken about there. What to you makes a really good guide or, or travel companion? I'll probably start with a negative, which I know you're not meant to do. Um, the thing that doesn't make a good travel companion is someone who's there to be a carer. Um, I haven't got a carer at home. I, I live on my own. I, I do most things on my own. I When I'm on holiday, I don't need round the clock care. I don't need everything doing for me. I want to I want to get on with things, and if I get stuck, if I need help, then I'll ask for it. Um, I think the the thing that always struck me, very going right back to the Austria trip, was that you never go on a travelized holiday and come back without laughing your head off pretty much every day. You, so you need to have a sense of fun, you need to have a sense of adventure, um, and just to go with the flow and, and let things happen. Um, have a little bit of independence as well because you do get some free time and if you're in a, a major world city um you don't necessarily have to follow what everyone else is doing let's have a look on the internet see what there is and, and go wandering probably the best day on a holiday last year was the day that we went wandering around austin in texas um completely free day nothing planned no one saying this is there's a group of us going here. We just found something to do and went off and did it. Um, and that that's kind of what makes it for me. And so one thing that often some of our, our sighted guides might be a little bit apprehensive about, especially if they've never done it before, um, is the is the audio description. Uh, when I 
speak to to people who've never been on a trip they sometimes worry oh you know I, i'm not going to be able to paint these incredible pictures what, what what would you what would you say to that how how would you say the best way to to go about the kind of describing side of the holidays is you don't need to be a great verbal artist you don't need to be rembrandt you just need to see something think oh that's interesting because that's that's what i'm after i don't necessarily need to know oh there's a tree there's a building <laughs> um if the building's unusual so oh, where was it i think probably, probably the most visually stunning buildings we've seen were in bangkok where there's a lot of gold and used and you get as a sighted person, I guess your breath's taken away by the fact that there's this massive gold palace in front of you. And I just want to hear that awe in your voice. Um, it, I don't have to have it's it's 3.7 metres wide and it's and this, that and the other. I just need to, to get the things that are sticking out to you. They're the things I want to hear about. Right. OK, so it's it's almost like you want to experience it with us, but but experience it through the way that we're perceiving yeah. it is that and that's that's the great thing about the way that it works is that i will get on a, a trip like thailand i would have got 14 different people's um view of what bits of thailand are like um so one person might spot certain certain features in a in a city like bangkok another person might see it totally differently and you get that opportunity to to have all of those different perspectives yeah, so I think you're absolutely right there, Mark, about the, the way that you get a different perception from all of your different guides. And another thing that, that we quite often hear feedback about is how much some of the sighted travellers get from our vision impaired travellers as well. Do you kind of like imparting your little bits of wisdom to them as well? Um, I, I don't know how much they get from it, but I will I'll quite often wander along and there'll be suddenly a smell. And usually it's a, a food smell because that's kind of what I'm into. So I'll just think, oh, I wonder where that's coming from. That, that smells like I'd like to eat it. Um, so things like that and, and sounds as well. I, I do tend to pick up on sounds. And um, I know we might be coming on to this, but it's one of those myths about blindness that you've got better hearing. And I don't think it's true. I just think you tend to notice things because they're quite important. Um, uh, sounds when you can't see. So... I'll spot a, a bird song or something like that, and that might prompt someone to, to notice the bird that's sitting quite close and that they just haven't seen. So, Mark, are there any myths about blindness that you'd like to bust uh, for any potential sighted guides listening or just for anyone in general who might be listening? Maybe things that have always you know, bugged you about perceptions or just any myths that you'd just like to address. So I've, I think I've kind of already mentioned one of them, which is I don't need a carer. Um, and the, the sighted guides are certainly not there to be a carer. They shouldn't be scared about the thought that that's what they're going to be doing because it really isn't. I think the, the thing about um, blindness is um, certainly some of the big charities will, will use, and probably quite rightly because it's the way they get their money, will use the, the worst case scenario of what blindness is. So... You suddenly lose your sight and your life ends. Your your job goes, your friends go. You you're confined to the house until someone takes you out. All that sort of thing. And it doesn't have to be like that. Uh, so so just going off what you said there, Mark. Um, one of the first questions I asked you was was how you actually lost your sight. And I think sometimes people are sometimes a bit nervous about those questions. Um, they don't really want to ask. Is that 
something that you know you you would encourage people to ask so that they can learn more about it or yeah i don't care um it's it's just a fact that, that that's what happened um nasty genetic accident um and it's not i i guess there's some people who lose their sight very rapidly and it's like a traumatic event and that might be a problem um certainly for me um it's not um i'll i'll talk about it all day um i've got i've got 30 odd years experience of it so um but it, even then if you ask someone who doesn't want to talk about it all we're going to say is i don't want to talk about it um and then you just move on move on to something else so specifically on something like a travelized trip where you are with a different partner each day how important is it to just communicate with your your visually impaired partner and say you know what would you like me to describe like how would you like to be guided that kind of thing how important is that just that little bit of communication oh that i mean that is vital um particularly the thing about how you'd like to be guided because i think you have actually walked with me a few times and you've noticed that i can sometimes feel like i'm not there all i'm all i'm going to want is the back of your elbow um to get a speed and direction um that's pretty much all i need there are some people who need different levels of that, but I would rather someone ask me than assume, again, worst case scenario, assume that I need to be grabbed, that I need to be dragged along um, and that sort of thing. So get getting that out of the way to begin with is going to make the day a whole load better for me and a whole load better for the sighted guy who isn't going to be completely tense all day and probably worn out trying to drag me around because I'm, I'm not easy to drag. <laughs> Talk, talk to some of the people who've had to drag me around ski slopes and then you'll know how difficult that is. Like I said, I don't I don't want to know that here's a tree, here's a tree, or here's a lamppost, or there's another tree. Um, some people might. Um, I don't. So when you're with me, um, if you've asked that question to begin with, you get your voice to have a little bit of a rest. Yeah. Well, it's... it's it, I mean, when you think about it, it's totally right because as a sighted person walking along the street, yes, I, I see every lamppost, but I don't look at every lamppost. So yeah. it, it, they but don't, they they're, don't they're really not that interesting. No, they're not. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Lampposts are, are pretty much the same. So, yeah. Right. So what is your next destination, Mark? Where are you heading to next? Uh, the next one is kind of the big one. Um, so I'm going to New Zealand in April, basically because everyone tells me it's such a nice place to visit. Um, and it's about as far from where I am as it's you can about, get. It's about as far from the northeast as you can get is, is New Zealand. Well, you know, culturally, most places are a massive distance from the northeast, but New Zealand is geographically a long way. Um, so I did my first musical in New York. Um, I think I did my first Shakespeare in Stratford. I'm going to do my first bungee jump in New Zealand. Wow. Um that's kind of going to be the highlight for me. Um, well, we we look forward to hearing about your adventures in New Zealand, and uh, hopefully you'll come back in one piece after the bungee jumping. Well, you know, so, so something's going to break me eventually, but I'm hoping <laughs> it's not going to be that. Well, thanks so much for talking to us, Mark. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Dan. Bye-bye. Now, a huge thanks to Mark there for coming on and talking to me, uh, and we really hope you enjoyed this brand-new series. Now, if you would like to be featured on it, uh, you can drop me an email at dan at travelize-international.com or you can give our office a call on 0113 Now, till next time, here's the music. <laughs>